Blog Talk Radio. What we need is some sort of revolution. Pain and greed, there's gotta be retribution. Do we all Hello and welcome to another episode of the Stain Sports Podcast. We've reached double digits. This is episode 10. Uh, thank you again to Cody Canada and The Departed for them giving us uh, that uh, lead-in song, Revolution. This is the second episode of our Fantasy Baseball Preview. Joined, as always, by Torsten Sporn. What's going on, Torsten? Another day in paradise, my friend. How are you? Doing all right, doing all right. Uh, I'm doing better than one Kenley Jansen, who was on the shelf for about a, a couple of months with a bad foot. Uh, we're going to be talking relief pitchers and close, and catchers tonight. So what better place to start than a uh, Dodger relief pitcher uh, on the shelf and get your takes on it. What, what's your takes on the Kenley Jansen injury and who might be able to step in that role uh, while he's out? Well, obviously, that wasn't good news. Um, if the Dodgers have depth in a lot of places, it's not the bullpen. It was definitely their weak spot last season. Um, the uh, the new leadership, Andrew Friedman, Farhan Zaidi, they've brought in a lot of new faces. Obviously, the guy with the most experience, and if they are going to go with one guy, it'll probably be Joel Peralta, who they picked up from Tampa Bay in the offseason. Um, he's a veteran, uh, pretty well-respected in the clubhouse. He's got you know quite a bit of experience. So if there's anybody that's not going to be intimidated, he's a likely guy that can step in. Um, personally, I think that Mattingly is going to play the matchups or the hot hand. Um, he's probably going to make that a spring priority, see if uh, anybody's really, uh, I don't know, turning it up or turned over a new leaf, suddenly show a spike in velocity. One name to keep an eye on might be David Ardsma. You may remember him. He was the closer for the... Seattle Mariners for just a couple of years ago racked up something like 60 saves over a couple of seasons. He's had some arm issues in the past, but he went to some clinic in the offseason I was reading, and he's added a few ticks to his fastball. He's supposedly hitting 93, 94, and he's got a little bit more to give, he says. He's a possibility. You may also see a guy like Juan Nicasio uh, step into that role uh, temporarily. He's a guy that uh, we acquired, or I shouldn't say we, the Dodgers acquired from the Colorado Rockies this offseason. He's had a couple failed attempts at being a starter, but when they made him a full-time reliever last year, his numbers drastically improved. His strikeout rate was good. His walk rate went down, and his velocity picked up to be consistently around 96. So uh, he's another guy that, if he uh, if he can handle the pressure of being the guy that gets the last three outs, he might get some looks. But ultimately, I think it'll be a hot hand. I think it'll be a committee. And uh, if there's a tough lefty coming up there with two outs in the ninth inning, it'll probably be J.P. Howell. Uh, asked to get the last out until, of course, Jansen gets back. He's the undisputed closer. His job is not up for grabs. Yeah, when he's healthy, he, he's going to be the guy. Uh, I'll be interested to see if uh, you know the, Dodgers, the Dodgers had to go outside of the organization and try and bring somebody in. You know, if this is kind of like that, that final straw that makes him go out and bring in more depth, whether it be Francisco Rodriguez, whether it's trying to be, uh, I know it would be. Uh, hard to get, but uh, Jonathan Papelbon, and then trying to figure out if they can manage the two, um, the two egos uh, that want to be closers there. That'll be interesting uh, to see what they do. Uh, but they, you know, it is certainly not their position of strength. 
But with that, let's go ahead and jump into it uh, to make sure we can get through it because we tend to run long on these things. Let's go ahead and look at overrated relief pitchers in fantasy baseball this year. And you first look at it. Is anybody that jumps off the board to you? Uh, yeah, and it might surprise you, but it's Craig Kimbrell. Um, I have absolutely no doubt that the guy is one of the most dominating relief pitchers in all of baseball. But it'd be hard to argue that Atlanta has done anything but get worse this offseason. I know they've uh, they've got an idea of how they want to rebuild, but they traded away the lion's share of their offense. You know, pretty much the only guy that they kept around is Freddie Freeman, and then of course you can't get rid of BJ Upton. So with that contract, but you know, uh, Evan Gaddis is correction. Justin is gone. Melvin hmm? Upton Jr. Melvin the Upton. Correction. Yeah, well, not, not, not BJ Upton anymore. Yeah, uh, well, you know, different name, but the same guy with the ridiculous strikeout rate. There's still a lot of talent there, but, I mean, how many times can you can you say, you know, he's turned over a new leaf? But, anyway, this this isn't necessarily about Upton here. I just – Kimbrell, like a lot of these guys, the, that with the high velocity and the high torque delivery with the big slider and the 100-mile-per-hour heat, they need to get regular use. And, you know, he's going to get some save opportunities. Even on bad teams, the closers rack up some save numbers. But I think you'll see an uptick in his whip. Um, you might see him blow a couple more than normal. His walk rate will probably increase. And I think it'll be a result of getting sporadic use as opposed to the consistent, you know, every other game or two games on and then one game off that he was getting when the Braves were a perennial playoff contender. I still think Kimbrell has elite stuff, but it's going to be an adjustment period for him not being on a playoff caliber team. And so I don't think that his numbers are going to justify his draft position when all is said and done. What about you? Yeah, um, you know, I actually had Craig Kimbrell as one of the guys that is overrated to me. Uh, he is regularly listed in the top, you know, three uh, relief pitchers in fantasy baseball. He regularly finishes there, but I have a feeling he's due for a uh, a rough season, if not this season, but then next season. There, there's to me, there's going to be a steep decline uh, at some point in the not too distant future. And I don't want to be the one that owns them when that happens. Uh, I was tempted to go kind of with anybody in the top uh, five, six, seven in relief pitchers could be considered overrated simply because from my experience in a draft, they tend to go uh, be drafted way too early and you can get some good quality uh, innings and saves from guys later on. Uh, It just ends up becoming a – you know, who gets lucky and gets the guy that falls into those safe opportunities. But of the guys at the top, somebody that to me is overrated, and maybe it's just because of the team he was in last year, the fact that he he was the big relief pitching, the big closer signed this offseason to a team that made a lot of moves that were flashy, and, and you know, at first glance, they may think that there's going to be a much better team. And that's uh, David Robertson with the Chicago White Sox. He's a very good pitcher. Uh, I think he will do well, but rarely does a big money closer free agent come into a team and truly dominate. Rarely does you know the a move a team come doing an overhaul like the White Sox did. Rarely does that really make the difference that first season. Oftentimes they'll uh, undershoot those wild expectations. Uh, not because of any fault of their own, just because expectations get blown out of proportion when they make some big uh, flashing moves. 
I think David Robinson and the White Sox in general will be somewhat of a disappointment compared to uh, the way that the you know, general baseball fan may, may ex- expect to get out of them. Oh, I agree with you. And, uh, you know, I think, I think Robertson is a good pitcher. Uh, he's dealt with a high-pressure role in the very high-profile American League East. But, uh, you know, his, he does have uh, some pretty impressive strikeout numbers, but he's just never seemed – and, you know, it's probably unfair because he was the successor to Mariano Rivera. So, you know, the bar was set pretty doggone high for the kid, and uh, he handled himself reasonably well. But I don't think he's in that same category of elite closers, you know, like like the aforementioned Craig Kimbrell or another guy that has similarly ridiculous numbers as Greg Holland in Kansas City. But, uh, yeah, that's a pretty spot-on assessment for Robertson. And on the flip side of that coin, we just talked about guys that are uh, overrated as far as fantasy goes and probably won't justify their draft position. In the relief pitcher position, where do you see somebody delivering good value? To me, the guy that will likely start the season with a closing role and is still undervalued is a guy on a team with uh, that had the best starting five last year and added another added Max Scherzer to make that rotation even more. And if Drew Storen does take the closing role from from the jump in spring training, uh, he could be an absolute steal. Uh, I've looked around and I've seen him as low as, you know, in the 20s on on some uh, rankings. I, I think he could easily end up being a top five relief pitcher. Uh, I've kind of been long waiting for him to be get the, a chance to have a full season as the closer after having some good years uh, in the seventh and eighth inning for the Nationals. I think he could be a guy that could be – taken in the very late rounds and end up being a top five closer for a team. Oh, for sure. Um, it's the Nationals figure to be in a position to win a lot of games late on. And uh, Storn is going to see his fair share of opportunities. Another guy along those lines who I think is going to be, you know, among the back end of closers drafted, who is probably going to deliver a pretty good return on value is Hector Rondon on the Cubbies. Um, obviously that team has taken steps to improve themselves. Um, they went out and they got John Lester. They went out and they got Miguel Montero, the young guys who have a year of, of more experience now. And he performed reasonably well, quite quietly. Uh, you know, the Cubbies did some nice things with their bullpen. Pedro Strope and Hector Rondon on the back end last season, really, you know, they put up some good numbers and they did so very quietly on a bad team. Um now the team's a little bit better. There's probably some unreasonable expectations placed on them. But usually the fantasy players, uh, of course, present company notwithstanding, but we're uh, we're usually a season behind. You know, it's kind of take take like a wait-and-see approach. Are these guys really that good? And then by the time you figure out, yeah, they're, uh, they're not bad, somebody else has already snapped them up. And uh, I think Hector Rondon's going to be one of those guys that's worth looking at uh, when you start rounding out your relief crew towards the end of your draft. Yeah, I, he's somebody that, again, is another team that is improving and on the verge of, of really breaking out and being a real contender and can put up some big numbers. Uh, on the topic of, of breaking out, is there a guy out there that may go you know, undrafted or be dressed really late that is just primed to have a real breakout season and, and become one of those guys that is, uh, you know, 
maybe wins your fantasy league by getting him so late, but with return fantastic value. Was there a real breakout for you? Um, I think one guy that comes to mind is uh, San Diego's Kevin Quackenbush. Um, he's he's in a situation where he's probably not going to be the closer off the get-go. It looks like Joaquin Benoit is the guy that has the inside track to win that job. But San Diego is another team that's greatly improved themselves this, this offseason. You know, they went out and they got James Shields. They got an entire new outfield that's loaded with sluggers. So, uh, you know, they, they their big problem last season was they didn't score any runs. So they're going to score some runs now. The starting rotation is pretty solid top to bottom. Um, if there is a question mark, it's going to be in the bullpen. They put up some pretty good numbers last year, but they went ahead and then traded the Houston Street off to the Angels and left themselves without a proven closer. Um, Quackenbush looked like he could handle the role towards the uh, end of last season, but granted that was what they called garbage time uh, when things didn't really matter all that much. We'll see if he can uh, step into that role this season in a higher profile because you do figure San Diego might be contending in the NL West. Um, if not him, it could also be a guy like the aforementioned Juan Nicasio. Um, like you said, Jansen's out for a couple of months. If he ends up being the guy that has the lights out spring and splashes, you know, 98-mile-per-hour fastballs in there, he could be the guy that at the very beginning can uh, grab you some saves. Uh, he wouldn't be a guy to have at the end of the year, though, because if Jansen gets healthy, again, the job is his undisputed. Do you see any guys like that? Yeah, first I want to say I, I applaud the call on uh, Quackenbush. He's somebody that I thought was sneaky good last year. Uh, it was his rookie year, his age 25 season, kind of a, a late arrival for a guy that's a true relief pitcher. But uh, he did he pitched really well last year, and I think he's primed to have another good season uh, this year. The guy to me that is primed to really break out, and all he needs is the opportunity, and it's going to require a trade, um, and we'll see if that happens. But the hard-throwing Ken Giles of the Phillies, he oh, on yes. a bad team, maybe the worst team in baseball. Uh, but, you know, a, a setup guy on the worst team in baseball is not somebody that's going to get a lot of attention in the fantasy league. But the guy just comes out and has a cannon of an arm. He has struck out uh, 12 batters per nine and walked just barely over uh, two. He had a phenomenal strikeout-to-walk ratio. And, you know, his even uh, I just think that he if he gets the opportunity to save, to be that closer, even if it's not until July, then he's going to return some great value and could be primed to be a top closer from 2016, but still provide fantastic uh, value here in 2015. I agree with you. I think guys like Giles, there's a, you know, they've made the position of relief pitcher a little bit more valuable in fantasy leagues now that the hold is a stat and now that whip is a, a stat that you see in almost every league. And a good relief pitcher can really, you know, pull your whip downward a little bit from those starters that uh, generally have it, you know, around 1.15, 1.3, 1.2, a guy like Giles is going to have a whip of under one, if, you know, if, uh, if all indicators so far are correct. And, you know, that can help you win a category over the course of a week and then again over the course of the season. So I like that pick on Giles. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's not going to have the whip that he had last year of .78, but even if it's just right around one, he's still going to be pretty darn good. Now with that, let's move over to possibly the worst position in fantasy baseball this year, uh, the catching position. 
It's traditionally a defensive first position, and it looks that way when you start to look at these names. Is there anybody out there that is even good enough to be – has enough uh, clout to be even considered overrated at this point in time? Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. I think that Brian McCann is going to get drafted way too high on his name only. I still think he's a serviceable guy, um, but, you know, I don't think he's that, you know, all-around slugging catcher that you saw with the Braves five years ago. And uh, another guy that I think is going to get drafted way too high based on one really good season is uh, Cincinnati Reds' Devin Masarocco. Um I think that Masarocco is a good player. I think that the power is probably legit, but – you know, uh, over the course of a full season, if he gets more playing time, there's going to be some things that they can expose in his swing. And uh, maybe he makes adjustments and maybe he doesn't, but I don't think you're going to see another 25 home runs and 80 RBIs out of him this year. I just I think that he set the bar too high, and people are, now he's a known quantity. So, you know, people aren't going to think like, oh, you know, who's this catcher hitting in the eight hole and pipe a fastball down the middle. They're going to start pitching him like a threat, and he's, it's going to be on him to make adjustments. He'll probably do it at some point, but I think it's going, to, you know, it's going to take a season for him to really go into that role of being a predominant slugger on his team. I agree with you on the Brian McCann thing. Uh, he, to me, is not too far away from being a full-time designated hitter. I disagree with you on Mezzarocco. I think he's going to be one of the best catchers in all of baseball uh, at, at the end of this year. I think he's going to go ahead and have prove the last year was not a fluke and uh, show that he is one of the better offensive catchers in baseball. To me, um, two guys jumped out to me. One of them is a guy who has barely 450 at-bats in uh, the major leagues and is, has hit in the high 230s, but it's just because of name recognition and, and prospect clout. And trust me, I'm somebody who loves the prospect world. But I am not drafting and relying on Travis Darno of the Mets. I, I will let somebody else take it. I just don't think that he's somebody that can be relied on until he, he truly proves it. Uh, all of his good numbers, you know, he – he was one of the few people that was managed to be traded and stay on the same team, and that was when he was traded from the Blue Jays to the Mets. He stayed in AAA, and uh, their, the Las Vegas 51s uh, changed organizations that year, so he remained in one of the best hitting environments in all of minor league baseball. And every time he goes down to the minor leagues, he, he puts up insane numbers, but it has yet to tra- uh, translate to the big leagues. And I just start to wonder if maybe he is more of a 4A type of a guy that kind of who has great tools and, and great five o'clock power, but just can't turn it on when the the game kicks off at seven o'clock. Yeah, you might be right on him. Um, I actually I drafted him in a couple of very very leagues last season because I thought he might be a cheap source of power from the catcher position. Clearly that didn't happen. Um, I'm not ready to give up on him yet, but uh, I'm going to stay away from him this season and just kind of kind of see how he develops. Um, on the flip side, again, um, we just talked about the guys that are uh, probably not going to return the value of whether we're drafted. Is there anybody for you who, who you think at the catcher position is going to provide extraordinary value from where they're going to get picked? Yeah, and this one might be cheating a little bit, 
Uh, if you look, look at the ranking, uh, this is somebody who's ranked really high in uh, roto uh, formats, but in opponent league formats, he tends to fall down quite a bit. And that's Jan Gold. You know, he's somebody that could, is going to be drafted in that Travis Star no range or, or lower. You know, guys like Wilson Ramos and Willem Rosario, we drafted ahead of him. Matt Weider, we drafted ahead of him. And I think Jan Gomes could be one of those top five, six, seven catchers. If, if I get a Jan Gomes, I feel comfortable with that and not having to catch, take another catcher, you know, depending on the, the setup of a league, maybe at all in the draft. Um, I think John Gomes is a guy that can be underrated. Uh, you know, he was, if I'm not mistaken, he was the first player to ever come up from Brazil, from Brazil and make uh, make the major leagues. So he's kind of always had that uh, a little bit of a question mark because nobody's done it before. Uh, but now he's really just proved himself as a, a true quality uh, big leaguer. And with Carlos Santana. I'll, Make, has made it clear that he will not be coming back to worth catcher. In fact, it looks like he's going to be a first base only after the third base thing didn't go all that well last year for them. Young Gomes is the guy behind the dish for Cleveland, and I think he, he can have a really good year and be a pretty good value come drafting. I agree with you 100%. He was the number one guy on my list for catchers who are going to provide value far above and beyond where they were drafted. You know, if you, excuse me, if you look at his numbers from last year, I mean, they were they were pretty good offensive return for just about any position. And if you consider the fact that it was very likely he went undrafted in most of your leagues, if he did get drafted, it would have been you know towards the back end. Uh, that you know the numbers that he put up, the twenty plus home runs and the RBIs and the getting on base, uh, it was terrific return. But you know he's still not a household name. Probably playing in Cleveland helps that. So yeah, you're going to get great return uh, for Jan Gomes. And I also think a guy that you just mentioned. You're going to get good return on Matt Wieters. He missed the entire, pretty much the entire season last year, the elbow surgery. Um, guys that end up, you know, with arm injuries uh, or serious injuries of any kind that lead to extended absences, um, they tend to get treated with the kid gloves in fantasy draft. But we're not talking about a starting pitcher who needs to go seven, eight innings and throw 120 pitches. We're talking about a guy who can lob 120 pitches back to his catcher and fire the occasional bullet down to second base. I think Matt Wieters is going to return excellent value this season for where he ends up getting drafted. There's still so many guys, you know, like McCann based on the name, Mezzarocco based on his terrific season last year, that are going to get drafted way ahead of where they need to be. Buster Posey is probably going to get drafted ahead of where he needs to be. Don't get me wrong, Posey's a wonderful player and a terrific hitter. But, you know, he's going in the second round of drafts, and, you know, people are taking the position scarcity thing a little too, you know, a little too seriously here. You know, at the end of the day, what you need is numbers, uh, and you need to have players to fill the positions. But, uh, yeah, Weeders and Gomes are two of the guys at the top of my list from the catcher position that you can get fairly late on, and that will return value as if you drafted them five, six rounds earlier. Yeah, and you know, if think for what it's worth, there's people that stand on either side of this uh, as as you know whether or not it actually means anything. But Matt Wieters is a free agent at the end of this year, uh, you know, and coming off of an injury plagued year, he's going to be looking to uh, put up his numbers uh, to cash in in the off season. And if he can have the offensive production that he had two years ago, and that he was you know, projected to be when it's coming up as as a as a prospect 
I think that he, he could be one, a very good offensive catcher. Um, you know, when you talk about the, the game as a whole, uh, the catching position is uh, an all-around position, but which is why sometimes the offensive numbers are, you know, can be hard to come by at the catching position. And Matt Wieters, given it's a um, contract year, could certainly have uh, a big year at the plate. Now, for catchers, to me, I, I instead of saying, is there a breakout guy, because let's face it, there's not a whole lot of options there. If you have somebody that jumps out to you, feel free. I wanted to go with an, another guy that's completely overrated, and I mean this only in the athletes overrated in fantasy baseball. Uh, I think he is the best catcher in, in baseball, hands down, without question. But because he's the best catcher in baseball, hands down, without question, I fear Yadi Molina gets overrated on the fantasy uh, spectrum. Uh, I think that he is, you know, he's getting older. He, he's, those injuries are starting to wear on him. And I think he could have a massive step back this year offensively and turn and go back towards where he was in the beginning of his career when he was a, a defense first and foremost catcher rather than what he's become in the last few years, which was a legitimate MVP candidate and all-around player. I think he's going to be a little bit more of a defensive guy, and the offensive numbers might be falling off the table a little bit this year. I think you might be right. Um, you know, Yachty's a great player. There's no doubt about that. Um, you know, he can hit. He's obviously great at controlling the running game. Um, it's uh, it's just a matter of how long can you catch 152 games a season and not have it take a toll on you physically. So, yeah, he's a guy that, that is definitely a candidate for regression. I don't think it's going to be as drastic of a regression this year as it's going to be next year as another year of full-time duty takes a toll. But, you know, he's a guy that, uh, yeah, you probably wouldn't want to go way too high on. Um, as far as breakout guys, um, like you said, I don't think there's a ton of guys looking to break out uh, this year. It's possible that Josemiel Pinto on the Twins might, you know, end up getting a little bit larger share of the playing time. Um, there's obviously there's some concerns there uh, with him, but we don't need to get into details. He's a guy to keep an eye on, though. Um, if there is a guy that's going to kind of come out of nowhere and provide some numbers, you may want to keep tabs on a guy named Peter O'Brien. Uh, he's a uh, in the Arizona Diamondbacks organization. Right now at catcher, they've got Tuffy Gosiewicz and a bunch of NRIs. And uh, if anybody is going to come in and, you know, challenge for playing time there, it could be a guy like Peter O'Brien. He has put up mammoth power numbers in the minor leagues. And uh, the strikeout rate is absolutely alarming. You can't strike out 35% of the time in the minor leagues and suddenly have that change if you get promoted to the bigs. But the power is impressive, and I don't have a lot of uh, information on his defense yet. But, you know, if uh, if he shows something in spring, he could land a big league roster spot. And if you get some playing time and your league does not penalize you for strikeouts, uh, you may get some benefit in the power department from a guy like Peter O'Brien. I got the chance Peter O'Brien a handful of times out here in the Arizona Fall League. Um, and I was – actually pretty impressed uh, with the defense. I, I was pleasantly surprised. A lot of people uh, say that to project him to be a future first baseman, uh, if, if you took the 
organization out of it. He projects better as a first baseman. Obviously, that's not going to happen with the Diamondbacks, given they have Paul Goldschmidt there. So he's got to stick behind the plate. But when I saw him there, I, you know, his, he had a good enough arm. He's a little bit stiff behind the plate. There, there are some question marks there. But I think he's good, he's good enough back there that he can get by um, and stay behind the plate and not kill a team and, and maybe even play up to a league average defensive catcher. And he absolutely has the power to go with it. Uh, if last year there was the Joey Gallo and Chris Bryant chase for the most home runs in the minor leagues, but Underneath that, there was Adam Duvall of the Giants and Peter O'Brien of the Yankees before being traded to the Diamondbacks. We're, at, we're on pace with those two guys. And I think Peter O'Brien absolutely has the power, and I do think he has uh, the defensive chops to stick. I think he's more of a July-August call-up, but if he does get called up earlier in the year, given the lack of catchers that the Diamondbacks do have, I think he could be... Uh, a very good uh, hitter. I think he's a very good power option. He's probably going to be in the 225 range of batting average for his first year or so. But I, I like his future, and some of it might be able to manifest itself uh, here in 2015. Any final thoughts? Um, no, that's pretty much all I had. <laughs> all right. I think, we, I think we did pretty good keeping it to half an hour this time. Not the best in the business for nothing. Um, right, as always, feel free to email the show here at the same sport at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter. If you're listening to us, you can see the, uh, our Twitter handles in the, uh, description of this podcast. And please go ahead and check us out on the same We will be getting more uh, content on the website. We promise we are going to be getting there. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, everybody.